Hi, everyone. Today's episode of Citizen Reporter features a wonderful and unique human being who does something pretty special. I went to visit him at his home recently, and I brought my recorder with me. This is a co-production with the Four Keeps podcast and David Peterkovsky, a program with one of the best theme songs you'll ever hear. I'm Wim Kruiswijk, I'm 77 years old, and I was originally a bookkeeper uh, who lived somewhere else, but when I worked in Amsterdam, I came to live in Zandvoort, which is closer to Amsterdam, and uh, in my spare time, I went to the beach and discovered beachcombing. about when you started beachcombing and h- how you did it even even back then after going to the office to do my bookkeeping uh, and uh, earn my salary i uh, came home at four o'clock in the afternoon and there especially in spring and in summertime you have time enough to walk on the beach and when you discover how much fun that is after a day of working in an office uh, you also discover that there are surprises and when we have an onland wind a lot of floating things arrive on the beach uh, which are interesting and when you're adventurous and want to find out what it is uh, you have a new hobby and and when was that what year was that when you started uh, combing the beach um, yeah 76 i think and uh, but in 1980 1983 it started to get uh, to become a serious hobby in the beginning what did you find you were keeping uh, or what did you see that you thought i want to keep this ah uh, first i took things home and when the shed that i have downstairs when my bicycle is standing uh, was filled then i sold everything on king's day but when in 1980 1983 i started finding bottles with messages in it, in them then i started keeping them instead of selling them or giving them away One of the first one was from a German girl, and in fact she was having a holiday in Zandvoort with her parents, and she threw in the bottle when it was an unmanned wind, so every time the bottle came back, okay. and when that happened ten times, she decided, well, I leave the bottle here, I go to the restaurant to sit with my parents, and look who is picking it up, and so... When I picked it up, she knew who I was. When she came home and she found a letter from me, she knew my face. Yeah. And Katja uh, was her name. 
And we kept in touch for about eight years in writing letters. And every summer when she came with her parents, uh, she came here and I went with them for a breakfast. And uh, and later she came with a boyfriend and she even slept here uh, in, in my flat. Yeah. So the way you know these details about the 10 times and all, is because Katya herself was able to explain the story behind the, the message in the bottle. That's right. That's right. That year was the, the year that I found three times a bottle. So one time from uh, Katya, then another one from somebody on a marine ship who answered me, a Dutch marine ship from Den Helder. And uh, the third one was from an English boy who was going to France with a ferry and threw it from a ferry. Yeah. So it came from the south. Huh. And I was writing with him also about uh, the same time as Katja, some seven or eight years. It's interesting. You, you're already talking about lots of different kinds of people that mm. are putting a message in a bottle and you're able to find them. Uh, how has that been possible? Is it that people write messages in bottles and they always put their return address? <laughs> um, not everybody writes uh, an address on it. When when I pick these up, I can't do anything with them than keeping them. And that's it. And giving them a number. I'm a bookkeeper. Uh, <laughs> okay. But... Uh, when there is an address in it, I write to them, and sometimes they write one time back, and sometimes I keep in, keep in touch for years. Uh, but, of course, there is the difference with today. Today, everybody has a smartphone, and I'm, an, I'm not having one, mm -hmm. uh, so I'm still looking for messages in bottles, and they are not there anymore. Oh. People don't walk around with a pencil and a piece of paper. So even when they have a bottle, they can't fill them. I mean, their smartphone doesn't fit in it. <laughs> Between 1983 and 2010, I found on the average 28 bottles a year. And now I found three or four a year. Wow. Wow. And when I answer these... I don't get an answer anymore. Interesting. Uh, a little bit on the, especially as a bookkeeper, you, you started telling us the process of cataloging them. Yep. Uh, you know, in the, in the beginning, as you said, you, you, you found messages in bottles and you thought, well, I'm going to keep these. Mm -hmm. um, how, what's your system for cataloging them? Uh, just giving them a number, the number that I find them. Mm -hmm. uh, then... Putting on a date, I better keep the list. I probably pick up the list. Okay, so there's a piece of paper here. It's a um, some people might know it as an A what A five, a little yeah. larger than a regular a piece of paper. A three, and indeed uh, we have the number. Yeah, the number that I found them, uh, the date that I find the message, the date that it was posted, mm -hmm. uh, the number of days it took to get to me, then the name of the sender, yeah. then the age of the sender, the country of the sender, uh, where it was mailed, in what kind of bottle it was, a plastic one, a glass one, a big one, a small one, <laughs> right. when it was thrown off a ship or not, 
uh, what the wind of that day was, Ooh, an okay. on-land wind or an off-land wind, okay. and how strong, uh, if I wrote them, yeah. and if they answered back. Okay. Wow. Okay, so on the list of countries, we have Netherlands, Germany, France, Great Britain, uh, Denmark. Denmark. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's the surrounding countries, and there are, of course, the exceptions of North Africa and America and China and Philippines, uh, but these are people working on ships mostly or on a cruise. This is a sheet for 2015, it contains 2015 all the way to this year. Yes, uh, this, this is the last find. Okay. So, uh, the 25th of March, I found my last one, but that was more an in memoriam for, uh, from a German girl from a, for her father or her grandfather. Yeah. yeah. So I could not write back. It had no sense. I, I guess at this point, you could also tell us about the different styles of uh, letters in bottles, because, for example, yeah. the in memoriam is one I think mm -hmm. of a lot, which is people who they write a message to someone who's gone. And they throw it in the sea because yeah. the idea is that wherever you are, this is for you. Um, right. So that's one style. Yeah. Uh, but then there are other people just trying to make a friend? Uh, there are, uh, especially children or sailor men who are looking for a girlfriend. Uh, and children looking for a pen friend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and sometimes they're just curious. Curious uh, to know when I throw in a bottle here. How long does it take to get somewhere? Where does it go to? Who picks it up? Does that someone write me back? Uh, all kind of that uh, things. But there's also, uh, say, kids of 16, 15, 16 years who write about the problems they see in life. I'm encouraged to see, at least for 2019, that you've already yeah. got... There was February and there was uh, uh, March, uh, and you, you're away sometimes, so... <laughs> well, two, two of them are found by somebody else who oh. was so nice to give them to me. We were, we were cleaning the beach on Ameland, one of our islands, and uh, a lady found two times a message in a bottle, and she saw me anxious looking through them, and she decided, okay, uh, you can have the first one because I cannot read anything on it. Uh, okay. And the second one, we make a copy and then you can have the original one. Wow, okay. So, And we both wrote uh, a letter in this case to a school in Denmark who had the 25th birthday celebrated. Oh, okay. So now we have a, a smaller box with postcards. Wow. Each postcard has both a flag to indicate country <laughs> and a number <laughs> and a photo of someone when possible. Oh, wow. These are like big ID cards. 
this is Adrian. Uh, Adrian, I found the message in 1986. I'm interested in art, so yeah. we had something to write about. Okay. And in fact, his parents now are writing more than Adrian. Adrian doesn't have time because <laughs> he is running this gallery in, in a way his father never thought of. Yeah. Having also making exhibitions in London sometimes and for other galleries. So he doesn't have time. And he writes books beside them about the artist he is showing. Yeah. So he is too busy and having two girls. Yeah. Uh, His own kids. So having to run a family and yeah. having to travel a lot to see the artist at home. Uh, he is too busy to write, but sometimes he writes. But mostly there is a huge packet coming in with uh, reproductions of his artists okay. and so, or books in it. And uh, then he makes up, I'm not a very good friend, but here I am again. <laughs> he just got 40 now. He yeah. is 40 years yeah. old now. Yeah, he was uh, seven when I found him. Yeah. So we, have, we are in touch 33 years since then. That's pretty impressive. That's a, yeah, that's, that's the a oldest friend I have from... Uh, uh, it, it doesn't... I mean, uh, it's like meeting ordinary people. Some people, okay, uh, you have a nice time with them. And some people, they keep in touch for much longer. Right. And this one is keeping much longer. Yeah. And I have a few of these. These are all friends. Uh, that's quite a bit. Yeah, this is uh, a, a small box, yeah, but but it's some are writing packed. once a year, just a Christmas card, and some are writing. I just finished a letter to this man, and I he I found his message uh, in two thousand, I think. Wow. Uh, yeah, two thousand, the thirtieth of January two thousand, and he's writing six times a year. And yeah. I'm writing six times a year. <laughs> so I just finished a letter to him. Okay. He's much older than Adrian. Yeah. You're a, you're a loyalist to the typewriter, Vim. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I don't have a computer and my handwriting is very bad. Right. So, and it's much easier and much faster in writing a letter on a typewriter. Okay. And it's very fun to read, I should say. Because <laughs> when I, when I change the, the ribbon in time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so because but, it's very weak now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is impressive. I mean, you have a, a, a collection of friends, uh, and as you said, some of which you still talk to, some of which over the years you, you don't talk to as much. But there was once uh, a meeting or once a conversation, and they're all mm -hmm. here. Yes, yeah. that's right. So uh, messages and bottles for you uh, becomes a specialty, becomes, uh, would you say, a passion? More or less, yes. When I shouldn't have moved to Sandford, I should never have become a collector of messages in bottles. No. Uh, and that I'm doing it here, 
it sounds special, but to me, it's more or less natural. Wow. I was on the beach, and the both of us there, and I can't leave it lay, laying there. I have to take it home. Yeah. I can throw it away here, but I decided to keep them. Yeah. And it became a nice hobby. Yeah, very much. And I met very different people yeah. in, in this time. Uh, I didn't meet them all in person, mostly writing them. Yeah. But sometimes they asking me, when you come close to me uh, when cycling, uh, please give a call or put up your tent in our garden and uh, stay a night or so. Um, I see you have a few other collections of things. Tell me a bit, uh, even maybe it was before Messages in Bottles, but what else have you been a collector of or are still perhaps a collector of? Most collections are coming from the beach. Uh, I, I got fossils, a fossil from the Ice Age that washing ashore here sometimes. Uh, I got the whale bones, which are more recent. Uh, but there is also drifting seeds, drifting seeds that are uh, coming into the sea in South and Central America and take a trip on the Gulf Stream and ending up 400 days after they fell from the tree in South or Central America. And sometimes it's showing up here. Not very many, but I cut a nice collection in the meantime. Hmm. Do you feel like, compared to the 80s or the 90s, that this era, being a collector, it, it, do you find more colleagues? Do you, do you have more interest in your work? Uh, or is this collecting thing the same as it always was? I think it's the same as it always was, but uh, I have, in fact, to skip the uh, idea that I can grow my uh, messages in a bottle collection uh, above the 1,000 or so. I never reach even the uh, the 900 maybe, yeah. <laughs> which I'm very close. Down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I, don't, I don't know how that, how I have to see that. Yeah. Um, I can't... Uh, I know everything is on the internet because that's how people find me uh, while I don't know what's on the internet about me. But sometimes okay. people write me, there's something on the internet, you should see that, that's beautiful. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes a friend shows me something, but that's then an isolated item. Mm -hmm. But when people want to con contact me, they always find me on the internet. Mm -hmm. Only when they look for a telephone number, they mostly uh, ask my publisher, the publisher right. of a book that I wrote about messages in bottles. All right. Let's let's talk about the book briefly. Uh, so, uh, what year did you publish the book? Uh, and, and tell me a little bit about what you decided to put in it. Uh, I was running a museum from 2000 to 2007, and... Uh, in that time, I had no time at all. Even at home, I was thinking about what I had to do in the museum to make it nicer for the people visiting it. It was a beach comedy. So everything found on the beach, I wanted to show and I wanted to put it 
in a way that it was very attractive and not a kind of a, uh, a mesh of uh, how it looked on the beach. Okay. I wanted to show it nicely. Uh, but when I left the museum, I got suddenly a load of time and then realized when I want to write a book about messages and bottles, I have to do it now because now I have the time. Mm. So then I started writing in 2007. I, want, I started writing a book. I contacted publishers and the second publisher wanted to make a book about it. And in 2010, it appeared. When it comes to <clears throat> beachcombing and all the things that you find and living here on the coast, I know that you were also busy uh, when I wrote to you. You even said, I'll be cleaning uh, the beaches or helping with a beach cleaning project on the different islands mm -hmm. uh, of the Netherlands. Um, when did you begin being someone who uh, is working with people who are cleaning the beach? Uh, was that also part of moving to Sanford? Um, it has to do, of course, with moving to Sanford, but I never clean the beach here except that I always take a, a plastic uh, bag with me and put glass and plastic in it and put it in the next dustbin yeah. or uh, take it home in my rucksack. Uh, but really cleaning, I'm doing on the islands. I did on the islands Tessel, Terschelling and Ameland. And every year on Terschelling, there comes a group and they called Milieujutters. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, environment, uh, environment Jutters, cleaners, sure. cleaners, cleaners. Oh, yeah. <laughs> environment cleaners. Yeah. Uh, so we come with the group in uh, in February, March, mm -hmm. uh, and we clean for a week the beaches there. Mm. And that started uh, a little over 25 years ago. And it started right the minute that I stopped with uh, working with... Um, uh, Boy Scouts, uh, oh. Cub Scouts. Uh, I was running a Cub Scouts group, and when I stopped with that, then I had time to do the cleaning. With the beach cleaning, I mean, understood that it also gives you an opportunity to see what's <clears throat> what's happening on different kinds of uh, shores uh, in this area. Um, what are you seeing? Uh, you've been doing this for some years. Uh, that's different. Uh, if there's anything that's changing in terms of what washes up or maybe how clean the beaches are there's a lot of talk nowadays of course mm -hmm. about uh, different parts of the actual the ocean we hear mm -hmm. about the pacific and the plastic but i don't know is there anything you're seeing as you walk the shores and and clean that's happening well in fact when where we are cleaning uh it gets cleaner uh when we look just with the eye how it looks like, but also uh, the contents. Uh, in the beginning, we cleaned about, uh, in a week, 10,000 kilos from the beach, mm -hmm. just rubbish. Uh, but we also took things with a lot of sand in it, which makes it very heavy. Uh -huh. When we clean nowadays, uh, when I cleaned on Ameland this year, uh, we cleaned away with a group of 50 people, only 2,000 kilos which is a fifth of what we normally, so it's less, but it also has to do with, uh, there was a container spill in the beginning of this year. Uh, a ship, uh, MSC Zoe, lost um, 345 
containers, and some of them uh, got loose and okay. ended up on the beach, or the contents ended up in the beaches. So a lot of people went voluntarily to the islands, which they loved, and cleaned the beaches there. So it can have to do with that, that the beach was already clean, but every day new material is coming in. And then I take uh, as example, uh, uh, some four or five weeks ago, we had an on-land wind here in Zandvoort, mm. and there was uh, a small line of seaweeds coming ashore, and I looked in the seaweeds, and I found plastic pellets in them, yeah. uh, granules, yeah. uh, nurdles in America. Yeah. And, uh, but these plastic pellets, they were flat pellets of four millimeter each, uh, so very thin. I almost, when I picked them up, I took up more sand than that pellet weighted, but I picked them up for several days and uh, cleaned them, and uh, that was it. I have a bottle with these pellets. Oh, yeah. But three days later, something worse uh, came ashore. Uh, there came a new line of seaweeds, and there came a load of black pellets in them, of the lowest quality, mm-hmm. of which they make only anti-parking uh, poles or benches for in the woods. Yeah. Uh, and these pellets I picked up for two days, and I got 16,000 now in a Smirnoff bottle. Oh, yeah. I'll take a picture of that. <laughs> cl- cleaned. Yeah. And, but then you realize how little I cleaned from the beach in Sandford and how much there was. And this, I still wonder how these pellets come ashore because I picked them up some 30 years now and I've seen all different sorts and some are floating and some are uh, a little bit below the surface of the sea. And after a while, they even can uh, add uh, organic material on them and they sink to the seafloor. And uh, these are really a plague. It's interesting because someone might think at first when they hear about what you do and your collections, they might think, oh, this is a very individual uh, project and you're on your own. And you've said you like being on your own sometimes. But in fact, a key part of all of this is people. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That was the nice thing of the museum. uh, Telling people uh, what is all happening there on the beach. and when they go for a day on the beach, they come afterwards sometimes and showing pieces that they before never noticed it because they had seen it in the museum and here you're talking about it. Yeah. So that was the really the fun. The interaction in the museum was great. Yes. I miss that daily. Hmm. Well, we should get something like that back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever um, seen any evidence? I'm, I'm kind of curious if... Uh, that people were inspired uh, by what you're doing and began either <laughs> writing 
letters in bottles. I, I wonder if, you know, we often say, oh, people don't do that anymore. But of course, thanks to the amount of communication going on and people get inspired for, from different reasons. I wonder if uh, there might be a new generation that says, no, I'm interested in this art. <laughs> if it's an art and say, I'm going to write letters in a bottle. There is artists doing uh, a lot of in uh, or sometimes doing things in bottles. I got a nice example. Yeah, I'll go with you. This small bottle I found recently on the 25th of March. And when it, I firstly, it was very, it was with scent on it. I didn't even see there was a message inside. I just liked the bottle. Right. So I took it from under the scent, put it in my rucksack, came home and discovered there was a message in it. But the message is something of really today. Right, it says, message in a bottle, be happy is utopia. Message to discuss, tiny cc grab. Utopia, 9th of February 19. When I let a friend look at the internet for it, yeah. I came on two pages with playing with words, but nowhere to answer or so. So I didn't understand it at all. It's some kind of performance art or... Uh, yeah. That's more performance yeah. art. Yeah. That's right. It's that's a beautiful right. bottle. It fits in the palm of your yeah, hand. Lovely. It's colored red. And it just has the tiniest, that exact message yeah, in it. Yeah, this is a copy and this is the original. Oh, okay. So briefly about your process. When you get a, a message in a bottle, you've got the message in the bottle, right? That's right. And you're careful, I can tell, for how you remove it yep. and also how you document it. So yep. let's go over the, is there one process or does it change? Um, well, sometimes when the bottle is, uh, or when the message is wet, and the bottle is plastic, I cut it open to cut it out okay. carefully. Okay. Uh, but normally I have pinchers to pick, to pick them out, very long pinchers. Yeah, okay. And then this idea of having a copy or the original, uh, the original message in this case you've put in a little cellophane uh, protector yep. and you've put a copy in the bottle. Why do that? Sometimes it's the other way around. The mm -hmm. original is in the bottle and a copy is in the, okay. in the plastic. Uh, it depends on the bottle and uh, if I need it to have a talk in a school or for a group of people and I can't keep all the bottles. I right. mean, 900 bottles that should be filled up yeah. here. And I can so tell I... people, your house is not overrun with <laughs> bottles, actually. There's <laughs> no, only no, a few uh, no, here and there. Few. Yeah. And uh, I got three crates with but bottles, yeah. and that's it. Okay. I got this beautiful blue bottle. I Give me yeah. a minute. Sure. That oh, was, a blue bottle, that was very that, nice. Uh, mailed from from England, from the mouth of the Thames, uh, by a lady uh, as a millennium message. And when I found that, there was tape around it, and I put a tape of it, and then this, and I could pull the bottle, the message out. That was beautiful thought. But it took a month to get here. The thirty first of January two thousand, I found it. And it was mailed the night of uh, the 1st of January 2000. Oh, this wow. This can happen too. This is, this is a whole night puzzling. Oh, right. It was already in many yeah. pieces. Yeah. And there was just enough address to get it right to the, uh, the sender. Wow. And that was a family on a crossing from uh, England to, uh, to France. Okay.
Were you already pretty good with puzzles before? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, this was with lemon, written with lemon, so you what? can't read it. Written with lemon? Yeah. I don't, I didn't know So that. then you had to heat it and it went almost wrong. Uh, but but how did you with... know that message was written in lemon? I didn't know. I had to try it out. <laughs> it was just a blank sheet. And, well, I looked to the light and I saw there was, there was something oh, with it. Okay. So I thought about the trick with the orange and I, or with the lemon and I heated it and then it started showing up. Beautiful. Yeah. I think in the end you know more about secret message uh, <laughs> options than anyone. Oh, sure, <laughs> sure. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, this was from a, a wedding. Yeah. So they threw on the wedding day, threw a bottle into the sea, and they didn't see that it came back straight away <laughs> at night. was under the scent, and for years it was under the scent. And when I found it, the bottle was broken by all the traffic on the beach, but yeah. what over it all the years. Yeah. And then I wrote them, and they were surprised. So they're sending me pictures of their wedding and a beautiful oh, wow. letter. Wow. Yes, 1996 this was, yeah. Yeah. A treasure card. Yeah. And there was here somewhere across there was the treasure. <laughs> Hold on. That's and here was their address, but their address disappeared. Find the treasure on this starship yeah, island. Yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Now that's something. And they yeah. sent me a picture with this is me and this is my sister Anna and here we live. That's a beautiful looking, <laughs> there's a castle there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, but we were looking for another one. Oh, yeah, that's right. The, this is what the, the sun does. Huh? Yeah. Then, then My name uh, is Astrid. I'm 12 years old. I come from West Germany. It's 1989. As I sent off the bottle, I was in the English Channel near England. I hope you write me a letter. If you do it, tell me where and when you found the bottle. Here's my address, Astrid. Da da da. Ringstedt, Germany. West Germany. <laughs> so funny but to see West Germany. Yeah, her father was. Captain, so she in the holidays she went with her father and she threw in several bottles, uh, but at several spots. Okay, so date the first uh, time 24 30 a.m., date 1st of January 2000. Message this message was cast into the ocean, which is in fact the sea, on the shore <laughs> of the ancient village of Minster on the Isle of Sheppey in Kent, England. This gesture was to celebrate the beginning of the third millennium, and you, the finder, are wish good fortune and happiness for the future. Now you see, there is no address in it, and I was a bit pissed, because <laughs> it was such a nice bottle and such a nice message, so I wrote a, a, a letter, uh, and on the envelope I wrote the address of uh, uh, a local newspaper in Minster on the island Chappie. And they did that job. They did. They, they found out who. They it, found, yeah. because they put up an article in the newspaper, in a, in a weekly yeah. on the island. And then the lady showed up. I'm the one. Oh, wow. <laughs> but she had a nice story to tell. At the night, she wanted to throw the bottle in the sea. She was sick, okay. so she asked the grandson to do the job. The grandson went to the edge of the cliff and saw it was low tide. 
the sea was not under the cliff, but wide away. So he had to come down from the cliff at New Year's Day, yeah. <laughs> New Year's night, and run after the sea to mail the bottle. <laughs> and then it it's, took 30 days to get the songs for it. It's like being almost too late for the last collection yeah, of the mail. <laughs> wonderful, yeah, wow. yeah. Is there anything, I mean, I can hear, for example, having the museum or an ex exhibit in a museum was a great pleasure and very useful for you when you, when you had it. Um, is there something you'd like to do uh, with either messages in a bottle or with a lot of the things you find on the beach? What would you like to do in the, in the coming, be it year or years, with your collection? Oh, uh, sometimes I'm asked to, uh, I have these, um, uh, how do you call it, frames, cardboard frames, mm -hmm. and I stuck things on it, and uh, then they sometimes show it in a museum, in a or in a beach company, mm. uh, like on Tessel, I had a nice exhibition uh, with cotton buds on it and other things. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. These are cotton buds lost in England and then on the way through the seaweed system and the sea, uh, the cotton got off and we got them clean on our beach. But of course they are not clean, they are plastic. Yes, yes. And so it's very wise that they not only uh, changing straw into pl uh, paper uh, pieces, but also the cotton buds. Yeah. Yeah, in the U.S. we call them often Q-tips because yeah, of this company. Called different. Yeah, yeah. We they use the company name. They didn't understand me when I said cotton, cotton buds. <laughs> no, at first I just thought cotton, but of course these are the things that people use, for example, to clean their ears yeah. uh, or or apply makeup. And it's true. Imagine you buy a box with a hundred easily, yeah. and then you throw them away, and yeah. Now they throw. They don't throw them away. They drop them in the toilet, and oh. they wash through the whole system. Oh, okay. So yeah. It's a very strange habit. Yeah, I don't know if that only that. <laughs> in England that the toilets are in the bathing room and that's an easier way than put it in the, in the waste bin. Very strange, yeah. But the nice things, these are children toys. Wow. <laughs> and they lose them sometimes. Of course. So they wash to a place where there are no children. So then I pick them up. I okay. pick them up where the children are. Right, because someone will find I them. I don't take them. I <laughs> <laughs> So that's one of the things um, about everything that's sure. washing ashore and how, how long it takes to disintegrate yes. or to get into smaller pieces. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of uh, common ones that everybody knows. Uh, the right. cigarette butts. Right. Um, Believe for banana peels. Yeah. And, and in this area, the golf tees, because yeah. there are a few golf clubs on the yeah. coast, golf uh, courses. Yeah. I always find golf balls too. <laughs> yeah. They're hard to break down. It's true. Yeah. So, so it's. Things I love to show to other people. Yeah. And it's very easy to, to let them see. Yeah. Oh wow, there's the fishing much. stuff. These are lures, I think. Well, these are the fishing things that right. I, I sold. 
Yeah. Last yeah. Quink King's wow. Day. That's a fantastic collection. Well, this I is don't... a panel that I use to show. Yeah. Same like this one. Oh, that's still too packed. That's oh, nice right, with see. wooden things in it. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Yeah, among other things, there's still wooden things that wash up. That's right, <laughs> and that's no problem. I mean, wood disintegrates or getting into smaller, and it's natural. Yeah. It's no problem. Mm -hmm. So the plastic is the problem. Yeah. So that's what I like to do. Yeah, okay. You'll continue to speak uh, on this subject and present panels to show basically what's washing right. up on the shore, I'm, what's I'm happening. telling about it. Yeah. And schools and, and groups. Yeah, Wim, uh, I'll just say now, uh, in case we don't record any further, but uh, thanks so much for uh, letting me come by and showing me all the work and the beautiful things you've been collecting. You know, you've referred to yourself as a bookkeeper, but obviously you're also an artist and you have an eye for beauty in this world. And not just things, but also um, connections with people. Okay. And uh, I, I'm just very thankful that you let me come visit. Well, thank you. It was lovely to talk about. Wim Kraswijk is a beachcomber and, in my eyes, an artist and an ecologist. If you'd like to write to him, it has to be in postal form. But to start the whole process, maybe first send me an email, bicyclemark at gmail.com, and I'll get the process going. You can find photos of my visit on citizenreporter.org, and perhaps you noticed as today's program went on, there are photos in your podcast player, including one of Vim and I right now on the screen. Special thanks to David Peterkovsky, and by all means, subscribe to the Four Keeps podcast. I will be back soon with more unique voices right here on Citizen Reporter. Until next time, they call me Bicycle Mark. See ya.